Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Get out of the big city and experience a construction zone free test drive. There is such a thing. Hi, I'm Terry DeMonte. That's Ted Bird. Is it episode VII? Uh, VII. Where does the time go? It Mr. goes Bird? to Cleveland, where they keep it in large warehouses yes. on the shores of Lake Erie. That's right. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Um, as uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see we have a special guest, and we're going to say hi to our very special guest and get a very entertaining episode underway. But first, we want to thank the folks at. Jaguar Land Rover Laval. They're our title sponsor, yes, you know. Are. Have you ever driven a Jaguar or a Land Rover? Uh, yes, sir, I have. That's a fine luxury vehicle. It certainly is. Like everyone else, they've had supply chain issues, but they've got, and we've seen it, uh, a showroom full of CPO vehicles. Remember CPO Sharky with mm-hmm. Don Rickles? <laughs> <laughs> it's got nothing to do with that. No, sir. Certified not. pre-owned. And if you get a certified pre-owned Jaguar or Land Rover at Jaguar Land Rover Laval, they take it through a multi-point inspection, they bring it back up to spec, and then they restore the original 160,000-kilometer warranty. That's you a know. big deal. Yeah, it is a big that deal. That is a big deal to get It is that. a big deal. Yeah. And they're beautiful, beautiful quality vehicles. So uh, whether brand new or pre-owned, you're getting a quality vehicle from a quality dealership run by good people people who are all about the customer service. JaguarLaval.ca or LandRoverLaval.ca or watch for me and Terry driving around town in the Land Rover Discovery Sport. That's right. We're like doing, a couple of life partners. You're uh, doing a nice job too, by the way. Thank so, you very much. Thank you. I love being squired around, yeah, as you say. Yeah, and uh, not too many dents and scratches, just a couple. It's time to introduce our godfather. Welcome oh. to your studio. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I like how you said it's a special guest. I'm as special as the Olympics. Yeah, we- <laughs> Pat, we, you've heard us talk about Pantelis before. I'm sure you've seen his podcast or heard his podcast. We've talked about it many, many times, especially in the first season, because um, when uh, I was uh, retired from my radio job, it was Pantelis who said, you idiots, do a podcast. You see how that worked out? That worked out pretty good. Well, it worked right? out good for us. And Pantelis offered us this facility. Yes. And Poseidon as yes. our producer. And you know, even... You know, even had us back for a second season. Despite but people like it. You see, you see the comments. People like it. People are listening. It's a good podcast. I told but you. I, I, t- I told you, Penn, tell us you, you are our godfather because I don't, you know, we wandered in not knowing anything about the podcast. And I know we were, you know, it was, for you, it must have been like having a couple of whiny children during the first season. We're like, what happens now? What do we do now? Is anybody <laughs> listening? What were the numbers on that last week? Is it a good episode? Did we do it? They okay? hate us. <laughs> I have a barometer for conversation stuff, so the podcast, my barometer is Mike Ward. Is that right? Yeah, because he won't listen to stuff. if it, And because he <laughs> listens, and I know because he'll make comments, he'll be like, hey, on this episode, this was funny, or why did Poseidon say that? Yeah. So the fact that he listens to every episode and likes the show, wow. and it's all he likes to listen to is podcasts and conversations, Right. he's, he's the best judge. That's so it, I know praise. it's not just in my head. That's high praise. Uh, Mike Ward does a podcast with Poseidon and with Pantelis called Two Drink Minimum, which for my f- money is the funniest podcast out there. It's, uh, these guys are, I liken it to whenever I watch. I paid him to say this. <laughs> no, it's not, <laughs> that's not true. But what I like, my favorite parts of the podcast is when you and Mike gang up on Poseidon. That's 97% and, of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's, it's like Poseidon's the, the youngest brother, and they're the two older brothers right. who, who are taking the piss out of him constantly, and he's loving the attention. <laughs> uh, but, but you know goddamn well that if anyone ever crossed him 
uh, or or gut in his uh, in his grill, yes, Mike and Pantelis would would be the first guys to to rally like to older his brothers defense. Too. Yeah, exactly. Same goes for you too. Exactly. Yeah, really? Yeah. Have you had to rally to our defense? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> what what's what is the people ask me, and I always go, I don't know. People say, how do you how do you know if a podcast is successful? I, I don't oh, know. Well, successful. Poseidon has good metrics on that. He's, you know, what's funny is we talk about him not knowing what's going on, but in the last year, he's the guy who actually led us down the path for bigger success in the podcast. Really? Yeah, because he doubled down on analytics and just looking at documentation online. So I think Vox and there was a couple of other websites who had statistics on when you start a new podcast, what are your numbers like? Right. And I think, I don't know if he has them off the top of his head, but we're talking about the average podcast. In his first month, Poseidon was what? Under 20 listens or something. It yeah. Was, there's, it's only the top 2% in the world that have over 100, over 1,000. Yeah. Listen, uh, like... Like a hundred, one hundred people listen. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah it's not everyone. That yeah. has like a hundred downloads. Yeah, because people start podcasts, they don't maintain them. Some of them are not experienced; they're not good. So there's like two million podcasts out there, but they're ninety eight percent shit. <laughs> so you no, I know what you mean. No well, that's that's the internet at large, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you got to cut through the clutter. So we did okay from the from the start. Is that we what you're saying? Good. You did very good. You did we fantastic. Did good. Yes. Okay. I'll right. show you yes. if you want. I'll give you the best example and not yeah. to throw anyone under the bus. No. But there are people who were in similar fields as yourselves. Yes. Uh, who started podcasts yeah. and used the YouTube channel of, let's say, a big newspaper here, so which has a lot of subscribers. So first episode. Off the jump, they had a lot of viewers. People realized it wasn't good, and it dropped off. It doesn't matter how many people they had subscribed. People weren't watching. Same thing with the audios. You see it started going under 10. You know, it's like being part of a big newspaper and right. having less than 10 people listen to you in a month. It's embarrassing. That's not good. Yeah. So, well, we were lucky, we were lucky yeah. to get in to this facility because you guys know what you're doing, and you've, you in particular have been at it for a long time, right, podcasting? 12 years, yeah. Yeah. How did you get started, Pantelis? What, what, were you one of those guys that was in his bedroom and said, I'm going to do a podcast? No, no. If that happened after me, the uh, the bedroom guys that said I deserved, <laughs> people need to listen to me. Yeah, yeah. Mine was completely different. It was, uh, I, we, I need an outlet. I was always creative and I was always into making stuff. Me and my friends, we had gotten together and we spent all our money and we made a pilot for a show. And as you could imagine, it was garbage. We didn't know what we were doing. It's like a TV pilot? It was like a TV pilot. Yeah. Phil was involved, but Phil only was available to direct and record, I think, the first half. So the first half and the second half of the pilot looks different, feels different. It wasn't good. It wasn't what was good. the premise? Can you tell us? It was a bunch of uh, ne'er-do-wells yeah. just trying to make it. Okay. That's what it was. And it was the, the premise was on paper. The script was funny, but we, didn't, we had zero experience. We couldn't do anything with it, but we spent all our money on it. So that was done. That went nowhere. And we needed a creative outlet. And I used to listen to a lot of radio, talk radio, New York, uh, Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony. I love that stuff. And one day it dawned on me, look, we don't have money to do another show. But I think I could get enough money to get us a microphone, a very shitty microphone. And we could record something with my laptop. We'll put it wow. online see if people respond to our banter. And it started from there, the 4-H podcast it was called at the time. And it started in October of 2010. And it went on till I think 2017, 2018, and uh, until it stopped. And we had reached over, I think we had reached 100 something episodes. And we had, then we had thousands of people listen to us after two years. The first year was 12 people. Wow. 12 people, and we still continued. 
Wow. Now, when you say we, who else? It was me, uh, my buddy Viron, Alex, my friend Milton, who I talk about on stage, uh, Homer. It was. It started with four people, and then it became about six or seven, rec- like with rotating chairs. Okay. Yeah. And are you still? Do you still do any anything with any of those guys? I hate all those people. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, we don't. Poseidon, 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 Viron, and uh, Alex actually do in bed with Poseidon in this very studio weekly. Right. They're going to do one tonight, actually. Um, uh, my buddy Homer comes to a lot of comedy shows. He wants to get back into podcasting, but he's more of a... He likes comedy a lot, so he knows about Rogan, but he watches a lot, understands the podcast game, listens to you guys. Uh, big fan, by the way. So, nice. Oh, God love him. So when you started, who who was uh, who was on the cutting edge? Would that be Mark Marin at that time? No, I knew who Marin was, but it was still very NPR-ish. It wasn't... It still felt like that line of when radio started to become very censored mm-hmm. that was more him like straight up interview and it, it wasn't the banter you'd get on an opie and anthony on sirius the the cutting edge guys were rogan at the time he was on i think Ustream. oh he was already uh yeah he rogan was already was doing right it that time oh, okay too, yeah. yeah he yeah. and did stand up come after the podcast or were you already doing it or did the podcast launch you into stand up i don't think it had anything to do with it because i only started stand up uh as a way to get my friends to stop asking me to start doing stand-up. <laughs> so it was two years before stand-up. Wow. So I had no intention of becoming a comedian. Uh, I had no intention of making money or a career at a podcasting either. I didn't know how far. I wanted something from it. Like I, I wanted it to uh, be consistent in my life because I enjoyed doing it. But there's no way I could have foreseen this. It's uh, I'd be Nostradamus. So you go from you start your own podcast and then it evolves to you meet Mike Oh and yeah, but start, that was way later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And but but uh, and then you you had mentioned Opie and Anthony, who were a huge radio morning team, syndicated morning team in yeah. the U.S. And you ended up with Anthony, right? Anthony Cumia yeah. in his podcast group. Yeah, uh, on Compound Media. That was okay. So what? So Mike. what was the evolution then? Um, uh, you start out, and then where does it go from there? Between between starting yeah. and meeting Mike. So, oh man, such a strange story. So in 2010, I started podcasting. In 2012, I started stand-up. Uh, I had crossed paths with Mike. Like I had, with Mike, I had seen him once, but we weren't friends. We didn't know each other. I Obviously, I knew who he was, but we didn't know each other as in uh, peers being friendly. Um, I found out years later, I found out recently that he had heard of me even before we had met. He even heard of the live podcast I did with uh, Joey Elias and Franco Tadeo at the Comedy Works. And he thought, oh, that's a good idea. People should do live podcasts because the, at the Bordel, Suzuku is live. I had no idea until he told me that two weeks ago mm-hmm. that he had ever heard about it or we were in the same sphere. Right. Except he was very aware of the same stuff I was, the Opie and Anthony crew and all that. And he took it to the next level here. He uh, In Quebec, especially as far as French media goes, he became uh, the Rogan, the tycoon of that industry because he understood where it was so going. So that put Mike Ward on the map. Podcasting put Mike Ward on the map in Quebec more than his stand-up? Oh, I don't I don't know what to say. It could be because he's self-sufficient now. He doesn't need the mainstream media. He but I mean, what came first with him? Was he already a, an established he stand-up established, when he started podcasting? He was an established comic, but like everyone else, doing his own thing, he, he was big. But then podcast, what he gave him is leverage. So now he has essentially with his podcast is his own brand. He does, Mike doesn't do regular TV anymore for years. He hasn't done. He doesn't do any of that because his show is bigger than any other show in Quebec. So he doesn't need to go anywhere else to promote that he, where he's going to be because he's on the biggest show. It's kind of like Rogan. Rogan doesn't need to go anywhere to promote. So yeah. how many people listen to Mike Ward? 
Millions. It's millions. Millions. Yeah. Wow. Millions it's across th- the it's globe. The second, yeah. It, it's the second largest uh, comedy podcast on the planet, second to Rogan. And in, in French, it's the first on the planet. On the planet. On the Jesus. planet, yeah. So the idea that he would need to go on Tour de Monde en Pau is... No, it's, it's irrelevant because it's, most of the people that they'll get, let's say, right. the Monsieur, Madame, Tout le Monde, like uh, yeah, ma tante, yeah. it's not going to be his crowd anyway, right. his demographic. Right, right. That's astonishing. Isn't that something? Like, not because Mike isn't talented, because he's a massive talent. The numbers speak for itself. But it's really an incredible story. And it's an incredible story because he was doing that while mainstream mass media was still a thing. Like, in 2010, you know, uh, the the traditional media outlets had all the power. Yeah, and he he saw this coming. So people give Mike a lot of credit for his for stand up. Mike's a very funny guy. He understands stand up like a science. He's a very funny dude. But they never give him credit as far as business savvy goes. Mm-hmm. And he's a very smart businessman. A very that's how he set all this stuff up. He knows what he's doing. How did you guys end up on Joe Rogan's show? Uh, it was a lot of sexual favors. <laughs> no, it, it's actually simpler than that. It's, it's very goofy. So uh, everything, if I think back, that whole two-year span, three-year span is kind of a big blur because a lot of it happened fast. But uh, after me and Mike had started the podcast, we were on Compound Media, I remember there was a day where Rogan was in New York for the UFC. And I saw that they had tweeted that he was with uh, Anthony at the studio. They were doing a podcast for, for Anthony's show. And it just clicked in my head. I was like, fuck, Rogan's there. I know that Keith is there. Keith the cop, he was produ- he was one of the producers. Uh, let me just message him and tell him to get us on Rogan. So I message him and he's like, oh, no, they don't like asking Rogan for favors because Rogan was big. So then I started to bully him. I was like, what are you fucking stupid? You're going to ask. I started threatening him and bullying <laughs> I did, And Mike was on a plane going to Florida, I think with his wife at that point. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I just took a risk. I was like, you're going to fucking do it. This is good for you. It's good for us, too. Why wouldn't it be? Just try. If he says no, he says no. But just tell him. So he, I was bullying him to the point where he's like, I'm not a pussy. I'm not a pussy. Until <laughs> he tells Rogan. He, and he texts Rogan's people. And they're like, yeah, yeah, fuck. We'll have him on. For fucking sure. Uh, so I was like, holy shit. They set a date. Mike lands. I go, you have to call me. We're going to be on Rogan. So he thought I was messing with him. I explained the situation. And Mike, being Mike, he's like, so you risked our jobs over there <laughs> to try to get us on Rogan? I was like, yeah. He's like, good job. <laughs> he's like, Mike's the, you know, he sees the funny and all this. So was the hook to get you on that Mike was in the middle of his court case? No, I didn't use that at all. All I did was I said, um, look, we're on the network. It's good promotion for us. It's good promotion for the network. Uh, and we, you know, there's so much to talk about. Like, he's never had Mike on. Uh, he doesn't even know who I am, so there's stuff to talk about. Uh, just try, just throw it out there. And all I all I wanted was for Keith to tell him. That's it. If if Rogan said I'm not interested, or I wouldn't have felt sad about it because I at least tried. What would have killed me is if I didn't try, and then we would have been sitting here thinking about what if. Yeah, yeah. So we did that, and we got on, and th- this happened. I don't know if Poseidon remembers, but I think I did this in August or September, and but it was it was like a month or two before. And then we went uh, we went down there. So I knew for a while before anybody ever found out. So the weekend that you bullied them. Yeah, it was a Friday, I think. Yeah. That's not the weekend you went on. You got scheduled to go. Yeah, on. we got scheduled to go around, right. uh, I think it was around American Thanksgiving. What kind of operation is it? When I, you know, because I'm, I'm new to the podcast world, you know, I think about Rogan like, you know, Carson was in the 70s. 
You well, know, it is big studio, big team, bookers, producers. Is it like that? Well, look, it, it's like that in the sense that it's huge. It's it's it was well when I was in California, it was very Rogan. It was its own building, its own standalone building. Uh, it has everything in there. He has like an archery range, pool table, green room, <laughs> security. Yeah, he's he's having fun. It's his. That's that that's the beauty when you see someone like that succeed. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm gonna have a good time. I want to enjoy my place. And it was that's what it was state of the art. It was nice. And I stole the idea of a long podcast studio, the one that I used in there. Yep. From when we went there, I, I never thought because everybody kept making it seem like it has to be tight, like it was on the radio, where it feels a little closed. Yeah. So I kept doing that. And then when I saw well, well, what I went through over there with him, it was long. It was kind of like a rectangle. And where they had where Jamie was sitting, I started thinking, oh shit! Next time I build the studio. I want it to be big like this. It's doable. It, it actually feels even better when it's big. You feel more comfortable. So I stole that from him, and that's why that one is so long and so big, my other studio. That's an idea I got from, from Rogan's studio. So when, when you're a guest on his show, you go to the building at a certain time, and you begin recording at a certain time. So there are some um, rules is the wrong word, but there is some structure to it. Yeah, well, when we went now, it's different, but when we went, it was when it was still live. So when it's three, two, one, and then it's just yeah. live on YouTube. Yeah. So the structure was, there was no time for it. Well, there was a time that you're supposed to be there, but Rogan didn't used to tell people who's going to be on or what time exactly. So if you're five minutes, 10 minutes, no one could even say anything. Right. Like, oh, why are they late? Nobody knows. He just goes on when he goes on. He's very comfortable. It's structured, but he has, a, he has a way of making it comfortable, making it easy on everyone. So there's no. Uh, so when you're on with him, when you're in studio and you're on and you're doing the show, he he puts you at ease. Yeah, he put, yeah, he gave me a pipe too in the beginning because uh, I was tense, yeah. and uh, he's like, "This isn't the kind of shit they have in Canada." And he was right because it took me an hour to go down. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, eh? I don't yeah. Smoke. I oh really? It. Yeah, eh? I did it because yeah. it's like, what are the uh, Rogan's? Rogan did this to Elon Musk. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because I've watched the episode, and you were quiet in the first bit. That, yeah, that yeah, adds was, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, because I was, I was like, don't say anything stupid. There's millions of people watching. Because <laughs> so, uh, you got paranoid. But if I hadn't smoked, it would have been different. Yeah. But he, um, it's a crazy operation that he has there. What's yeah. a, what's what do you think? You know, you've been at it a while now. You were a guest on his show. What do you what do you think the key to his success is? What is it about Rogan? That makes him the king of podcasts worth a hundred million dollars. He's, he's real. It, first of all, the variety. One thing is the variety because you're going to get comedians, you're going to get scientists, right? You're going to get whatever you want. Bookers. It, who, if he thinks someone's interesting, a historian, he'll bring him on just because he thinks he's interesting. So already there, like you, there's so much fun in listening to a podcast because you don't know what you're going to get, right? And you're introduced to new worlds. And the fact that he doesn't have an agenda. It's just, this is this is how I feel. I'm going to bring someone on to talk about it. You could change my mind if you have... It's refreshing because you don't get that. Everywhere else, there's always an agenda, especially in the mainstream media. That whether we like it or not, Fox has an agenda. CNN has an agenda. That's the truth. And sometimes there are stories that they can't even tackle because of who's giving the money. For example, the whole Epstein thing that happened, we found out that I think it was a girl on CNN uh, or on NBC who had that story for years. And the higher-ups that told her, you can't talk about this. So when it broke out, there was that video that was uh, was online where she was talking. She didn't know that uh, it was a hot mic. And she goes, I brought this to them years ago, and they told me I couldn't yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've you seen that. that? Yeah, yeah. So sure, yeah. You don't get that with him. He's He'll ask anything he feels like asking. He's, he's a real – it really is him. And just being genuine, 
people think that that's long gone, like a long gone desire. People, it's never a, it's, it's never left. That's what people like. They, yeah. Everyone and that's hard to find these days. It's very hard to find because people are scared. Everyone's scared to get canceled. They're yeah. scared of the wrong joke. You can't be. Well, that, and that's that's the dilemma he's facing right now. Yeah. Uh, right now, it, it's being he is being presented in in some media circles and on social media as having an agenda. Yeah. Uh, what are your What are your I mean, it's a pretty broad based question, but what, what, how do you see that whole situation? It's sad. It's sad that um, not for him. He's going to be fine. It's sad yeah. that mainstream, mostly C- it's CNN that's really the media company that, that's on the assault against Rogan. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah, well, they they have they have a business interest. He's in killing them. He's killing them. He's them. Killing them. But yeah. one of killing the isn't even the right I, word. I, yeah. I have to I have to admit, only knowing surface stuff about yeah. it, I am impressed so far. Spotify is. They're like, hey, fuck you. Yeah. You don't want to take your music off our platform? Go ahead. We signed this guy. We backed this guy. If you don't want to be on the same platform as him, salut. Well, not just that because you're bringing... Well, Neil Young, by the way, quietly got back on Spotify because... Uh, oh, I didn't know yeah, that. His, convi- <laughs> his convictions go that far. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it might be that... And, and look, I might try to be defending just someone because uh, he's Canadian, but part of it might be that Neil Young was the one who was misinformed because he was spreading misinformation without knowing it. Right. And I think it's not Neil Young's fault. This is the media and whoever is around him because the stuff he was saying and the stuff that even CNN was saying, which were unequivocally false, they, they weren't real. People who don't watch Rogan believed it. They said that Rogan was saying it was dangerous. Uh, you should never get vaccinated. That's not all. They took that from a statement where he said, look, if you have uh, underlying health conditions, you should take it. But if you're a healthy 20-year-old, I don't see the reason why, which when he said it was a conspiracy theory, and now it's the norm. They're rather coming even younger. Now they're saying five, maybe we should stop giving it. Denmark stopped giving it. So stuff that he was saying because he brought scientists on that were agreeing with him, which was conspiracy at the time, now is, is, is fine. Countries are, are going the way Rogan said it. He didn't have an agenda. He's not making any money off... Uh, ivermectin for example he didn't tell people to take he said this is what the doctor gave me and then they said he was taking horse pills it was just crazy yeah Yeah, and i gotta tell you i i don't i don't spend a lot of time listening to rogan not because i'm not a fan just because lately i haven't spent a lot of time listening to too many podcasts because of things i'm doing and i when the when the whole neil young thing started up i started to you know dive into it more and he posted a nine minute video on instagram and you talk about authenticity this when i when i was finished watching that nine minute video on instagram i thought how can anybody not believe this guy this guy looked into the camera and he just he told his story and told the truth and i thought to myself this guy's this video that I think at that point in the day had already been watched by two million people is going to turn it around, and Spotify came out and backed him after that, and yeah. then Neil Young tiptoed back into the tent. Yeah, and also, and it's a lot of it I think is because he's so believe you, he's so authentic. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not the best judge of character, but I'm a pretty good judge of character. And if you give me time with someone like yeah. more than ten minutes, especially speaking with them, I'll know who they are. I spend hours. Having a conversation with this guy, I'm telling you, this is—he's not. A, this is a good dude. He's—he is who he says he is. There's no. That's why this was shocking to me. That's why I was pissed off. I posted about when those episodes got deleted. I was like, now it's so. Weird. Was yours one of the episodes yeah, of course, that was? Mine, it mine, was, mine, eh? Yeah, yeah. Why? Gad sads too. Uh, look, I can't tell you. My theory on it is 
he, he had to ask some episodes. Some were probably because of stuff that was said. Maybe it was controversial. Us was probably because of the whole Mike is viewed as a free speech guy. We were on the free speech network, free speech comedians. Right. And now free speech, for some reason, is tied into the alt-right. Yeah, just, well, it's crazy. Just like well, last yeah. week, they said freedom. CBC ran an article said freedom is the new word for uh, watch out for freedom. Freedom is a Nazi thing. It's an alt right. Just crazy stuff. So when the media does things like that, it forces some people to react. And I and I got to tell you something. I, I've told yeah. told people this a lot, and I I don't want to pontificate about this because you know my my ideas are not fully developed. But I, I will say that. Having come out of the media bubble, like come, having left the comfort of that house and come outside and as a guy outside looking in, I spend a lot of time or a fair amount of time going, holy shit, I never realized that. You know, in terms of coverage, in terms of bias, in terms, you know, just from a point of view of lack of resources, the 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 uh, the big companies in Canada have abandoned their responsibilities in news. There's nobody covering City Hall. There's nobody covering. You know, there there's they don't have anybody. So the news is a mixture of opinions and press releases. And I got a surprise for you. That's not news. That that is, it's those are not, those are not facts. That's a that's a that's a stew of shit. Yeah, it's th that's what the tablets used to do. But I, you know what? I, I didn't know. Shit. I didn't know that this was happening. <laughs> the six o'clock stew of shit. <laughs> I always thought it was just something people would say, like, "Oh, the, the media journalists are foolish." I just thought it was no. something. You know when I realized there was something wrong? First was um, there was an article. I think it was CTV. Some guy was talking about the court case with Mike. And he wrote it as if Mike was uttering threats and wanted to kill the kid. I was like, that's, I know the joke. I've seen the joke. I know, yeah. That's not what happened. Is he playing on the, oh, I, I mistranslated? Because this is, no. and then people were commenting, and they, but they were commenting not on the real joke. They were comment, commenting on the interpretation of the journalist. So that to me was a flag that journalists are sometimes not to be trusted. Sometimes. The <laughs> biggest red flag was when we left Rogan. We were on Rogan for a couple of hours. We talked about anything and everything. It didn't take long for, I forgot what news said, the Globe and Mail or well, uh, a Canadian right newspaper. After. So I remember there's a photo. It's the one on the side, the one that I use on, uh, th that I posted last week, which is Rogan, uh, Mike, and me. And then it says, you know, uh, Mike Ward on, uh, on Rogan talks about how the Hells Angels are good people and cops are bad. They ran with the dumbest clip that they took from it out of context instead of anything that was discussed within the podcast i was like i was there i was part of the conversation but I, so know, i knew they were bullshit right and, and you know i've seen it at play i've seen it at work with my own eyes the people who are typing those stories excuse me for the websites of those big companies they're they're not trained journalists they're kids you know, uh, either students who have just come out of school or or people who are on their first job. And there's no news director in the office coming out to check their work. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not journalists. So the fact that they can interpret or misinterpret something and then put it out under the banner of news is, is frightening and it's sad. And to me... It's, you know, I, I get it. The world has moved on. I guess there's no, there never is going to be another Edward R. Murrow or Peter Mansbridge. But, I like Peter Mansbridge, yeah. But, but I guess those days are gone. Because well, if, you're but why? if you're letting kids. Remember Lloyd Robertson? Sure. Yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you're letting kids 
misinterpret the news and put it out on a website then we're all fucked. Well, I, I get the feeling, and I've worked in and around newsrooms for over 40 years, and I've seen, I've seen how journalism has changed. And to me, it's got to be, it must be starting at the level of journalism school. Yes. And I get the feeling that they're not being instructed as much as they're being indoctrinated in journalism school. And the indoctrination is, um, you know, it's a, it's a left-leaning uh, you know, I hate to say the word, but I think that it leans like Marxist mentality. You know, it does, because but you it's see, shocking that the more I think about it, because it, it's visible, but it's shocking as to why. It's it, that's an answer to what we didn't have. We don't know. Yeah, we weren't part of the extreme right wing, and we weren't allowed to go out. We didn't for them to be like, okay, we need to pull back a bit. Let's go. Mar-. That never happened. So I don't know how we got there. No, I, uh, but w- part of it is I know because I I saw it. When, when I was a kid and we started, the news director was usually a guy with a tie that was undone, with a, a white shirt that was dirty, and he would yell at everybody. <laughs> he would be like, Bird! Yeah. Get in here! <laughs> His name was Robert Holliday. Right. And, and if you put together a shit newscast, yep. he would listen, you'd get hell, and you were taught that you're not supposed to be part of the story, you only are supposed to present the facts, like that. you're supposed to use the, the term, this reporter understands, like, I know it sounds like a joke from an old film, but that's the way reporters were trained. The news was a sacred trust, and God help you if you, if you fucked it up, or you got your facts wrong, or in your case, got the grammar wrong. Those well, da- and, and those days are gone, because now... If you yell at somebody in a newsroom, wherever the newsrooms are, it's you, an HR issue. HR gets yeah, called. Yeah. He yelled at me. Yeah. Which, by so, the way, we got to stop that. Yeah. We, well, that, that has to end. It's too much. I want to stop for a second, uh, just to quickly um, thank our uh, one of our sponsors, the good people at Merson Auto. Ted and I have been talking about Merson Auto for many years. In our old, while well, you're still in the mainstream media, I oh. am. Yeah. <laughs> Get him! Get him! <laughs> no, Ted, Ted and I met the Merson's point 35 years ago, Ted? Oh, I don't think it was that long ago, but it was at least yeah. 25. Yeah. And I'll tell you what really sold me on, on the Merson's. <laughs> and Merson Automotive uh, tires are their specialty, but they also uh, do mechanics, anything that's wrong. Any, any car repair or just about any car repair you need done, they'll do it. Uh, or if they can't do it, they'll send you to someone else who you can trust. But I remember one day sitting in the uh, waiting room and... Charlie, the service manager at the time, came from the back and he said, uh, Mr. Flasenblatt, Mr. Flasenblatt, yes, that's me. Your car is ready, sir. Uh, we changed your tires, uh, your winter tires. You should be good for this winter. And uh, we'll take a look at them again uh, next winter and see where they're at. Your brakes, you probably get another five to 10,000 kilometers on them, and then we'll have to have a look. As opposed to coming out and going, well, Mr. Frasenbratz, yep. those tires are shot, and your brakes, you're probably going to go right off the bridge into the St. Lawrence River. So we're going to have to do that work right now, uh, you know, unless you want to die. A family-run <laughs> business with a family you can trust, mercenauto.com. Do you think it? Do you think we're... I guess we're never going to get back to it. We're, there's the the world is spinning so fast now that the the mainstream media has already given up on on doing quality newscasts. And we might get back to it one this, day because of items like this. It's because of podcasts, and it's just for people to understand that at the end of the day, the majority of the people that you think you're supposed to hate probably line very close 
to where you your allegiances are. Right. I guarantee you, if like, look at uh, what was happening in Ottawa, right? Most of the people that you're going to find there wanted the mandate. A lot of them were already multi-vaxxed. They weren't anti-vaxxers. A lot of them were uh, people that just wanted the mandates to drop. If you would actually have a conversation, you'd see that anyone even counter-protesting would probably have 90% of the same thought process in this. Just the way they were handling it was different, right? It's the same thing in politics. Whether you like a political party, you like another one. I think if you sit these people down, most of them want the same thing. But they make us hate each other. They make us think that if you're wearing a blue tie, I'm wearing a red tie, whoa, there's got to be trouble because you probably think uh, the earth is flat. And for me, it's, it's not the case. Most of us align on pretty much the majority of things the same way. You know, I agree with this because on our first episode this season, we asked Mark Cassidy to come in from La Presse. And Mark's bilingual, you know, he's French, French-Canadian, born in Gaspé. But a uh, bilingual guy um, who listened to me when I was on the air and listened to Ted and I when we were together, um, and had been listening to us for years, wrote really two really nice columns on me over the years. Um, and uh, we had a conversation with him, and, and we, we came to find out that he's a nationalist. He said, there was another referendum, I would vote yes. He voted yes in the last one. And he, he voted us. yes yeah. in the last one. And I said to him, one of the things I've learned in Quebec, being a Quebecer, is I lived through those referendums. Um, I I was, my very first election when I was 18, that guy, René Levesque, was, that was his, his first mandate. And in Quebec, I learned to sit around a table with really ardent separatists. Yeah. Like really ardent separatists. People who really wanted to separate from the rest of the country. And we would sit at the dinner table and drink wine and yell at each other and argue loud like Frenchmen do, right? Whoa, 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 damn, damn it, damn it. You know, and it would be like that for five hours. And then at the end of the evening, when everybody was going home, they give you a big hug. And so we have to do this again. That's what Greeks do. That's spend the entire day yelling at each other over politics, and then we're fine. And and you don't hate it. You don't hate each other. You're just passionate about what you believe. And you like the people that you're having this passionate discussion with. And I, I think... I think you're right. I think most people are like that. And I think that that's what people go looking for in podcasts. I, I think to, to the nationalist point, I think if you present me with good enough points and a plan to move Quebec forward, you could even get me to vote yes. Really? Because it, it is a distinct culture. Yes, it is. If you it tell absolutely me that, is. If, and if you tell me that you have a plan so that the natural, the, the, our natural resources will not be abused, they're going to be used properly, and it's going to be a strong, independent nation, a friendly one, and there's, it's good for everyone... You could get me to vote yes because I believe in the French culture. It is different. So it's the same thing. And I'll, I'll tell. But sorry. if it's just yes because fuck you, I want to say yes, and then everyone's going to suffer. Hell no, 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 no. Because no. one of the things that I notice, and I'm married to a French Canadian, we become the farther west we go, the bigger defender of Quebec we become. Exactly. You know, when I'm in Winnipeg, I'm sort of arguing. When I'm in Alberta, I'm really arguing. And now that I live out in BC, if anybody shits on Quebec, I'm going. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hang on a second. Because it is a distinct place. Yeah, it is. You know it, and, and when you travel through Canada, you see it, but that's not a bad thing. No. It's, it's no. not a bad thing to have one country with distinct cultures. Yes. That's a great thing when you acknowledge it. But Quebecers issues for years was, when I look back, a lot of times it was being brushed aside. Yeah. Like, ah, those stupid French. Well, After a while, listen, that, that'll piss you off. I don't care who you are. So to pretend like it's not a big deal, I, to me, it's a huge deal. If you Imagine if it was us. Yeah. I, I would be fucking getting so pissed. That's the way Albertans feel. Yeah, that's the way Albertans, Albertans feel, too. feel exactly the same way. When I lived in Calgary, you spend time with Albertans and you get it. 
You get it. They, you know what? They're, they come from a stock of people that 120 years ago loaded up the wagons in the middle of winter and settled the land out there. And they live in a certain way. Yeah. They've contributed to confederation in a certain way. And that's their lifestyle. Yeah, and to call them just dumb cowboys, yeah, hicks, all it's, that, it's yeah, annoying. It's, it's, and it's awful. To understand that, you the best way of understanding that is to do what you did. You go there. Yes, you try. And you, and you yes. meet them, and you talk to them face-to-face, and you learn about them. Right. You don't argue back and forth with them on yeah. this fucking thing Keyboard here. Keyboard warrior. Yeah. I personally yeah. have gone public and said how much I hate everyone in Alberta. <laughs> and, uh, I want to run for politics just so I could set that entire province on fire. Is there a Greek community in Alberta uh, yeah, that of you're I'm aware of? I'm saying that just because I have a lot of people in Alberta. Yeah, have, yeah. Yeah. A lot of listeners. A lot of listeners, and yeah. I have a huge portion of my family out there. Is that right? Really? Yeah. yeah. Where, where about Spain? Uh, Calgary and Edmonton. Okay. So and you, Jasper. So yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's why. it's yeah. a thing. I love Albertans. I love Calgary. Yeah. You know, they 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 eat a little earlier. They eat a lot more beef. You know, they they wear cowboy hats during Stampede Week, which is a fucking ball. If you've never been to Stampede, you should go. And and it's uh, it's cold like a bastard on a Saturday and warm like the summer on a Sunday. Like it's a it's its own thing. But you know what it is? The arguments online. I feel like there's a comfort in the blanket knowing that. Oh, I belong to this. Yes. So tribal. Whether, it's yeah, tribal. Everybody wants yeah. to be a part of a tribe. Whether yeah. it's vaccine, who you voted for, political party, the fact that you're like, oh, look, I'm not alone. Yeah. Even though what you're contributing to is toxic. Yeah. Even when I do it, when I tell someone to go fuck themselves on Twitter, <laughs> I, I'm contributing to the nonsense. Right. I'm mm. not helping. Because Ted and I actually covered this on the podcast. Ted and I aren't politically aligned on everything. We're politically aligned on a lot of things, but we're not politically aligned. And there are people who said to me online, you know, oh, you're with that fucker Ted Bird that I'm not, I'm not listening. That was me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I get pissed off because that's a shitty way for people to behave. Yeah, especially because intellectually you are aligned. Yes, and, yeah. it's, and it's happening now. Families are, families are, are, Tommy was talking about this on one of our earlier episodes. Yeah. Families are, are splitting apart because of nonsense, vaccines and mandates and, and liberals and conservatives. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. And I think, I hate to say it, I sound, you know, I sound like a guy from the 40s. The goddamn internet and the social media thing has really, really divided the world. Uh, I've said this so many times. When I used to say it years ago, uh, I sound like a conspiracy theorist. Like this isn't normal because people because now people care about just the likes and the engagement. Yeah. So the problem with that is, what gets most likes yep. is a lot of these div- yep. divisive um, posts and also a lot of negative stuff, sad stuff. So a lot of people will share some shit that they should not be sharing publicly. Yep. That is very personal to get likes, yep. which is not healthy. You know what drives me crazy? My dad died. Well, five <laughs> minutes ago. Look, I don't know how to react. If yeah. I like it, does that mean I support the death? What that, do you want me to do? That I put a laughing emoji every time. <laughs> I want to let him know. Look, there's, there's some humor in this. You know? That you know, the, the I think the inter- you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the internet created the rainbow bridge. Do you know what the rainbow bridge? Explain this. Is that where the, all the narcissists go? No. The rainbow bridge is the do- where your pets go. Oh, okay. You know, Skippy crossed the rainbow bridge. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. And they describe oh, yeah, about yeah. taking, you know, and I'm such an A place anim- that doesn't exist. I'm I'm such an animal lover. I don't want to read about you taking your pet to be euthanized because mm. it was Ill- like that. To me, that's a very, very personal thing. Yeah, same. And and uh, like for example, 
this is not a good example. It's a bad segue. But whenever I post a link to one of our episodes on my Facebook page, three people see it. I'm sure Facebook's controlling that because they, oh, yeah. they don't want people to go to YouTube. They want them to stay on Facebook. Yeah, that, but, but that's 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 real. If your link is an external source, yeah, they, it's, they're not going to push in the algorithm because they yeah. need people to stay on there. They need people to stay. So uh, me promoting our episodes on Facebook is a waste of my time. But put a picture of a, a pussycat or, you know, somebody who's caught fire in an accident. Keep him, in, keep him on that platform. Yeah. Yes. They'll push that. Yeah. I've tested that, it. That, I know. Yeah, that's... And, and and I think there's a there's an ugliness buried in that. Well, they've uh, there's actually core documents that Facebook is getting drilled by a lot of uh, area by a lot of people because of this. Uh, they suppress certain information on purpose. They were propagating some conspiracy negative stuff to specific people that they knew wouldn't like that. So if you're a hardened leftist, they would put some right wing propaganda that they knew would piss you off and vice versa, just so you could engage. But all that's doing is contributing to the toxic environment. Sure. So everyone's pissed and they assume that if the person next door votes opposite of you, he's a terrorist, which is insane. It's not the case at all. You know how many times I've switched on like political leanings because I like to vote with my heart on specific well, issues? Well, yeah. I, I mean, to me, intelligent people do that. I was, a, I was a massive fan of Brian Mulroney's. That wasn't popular back when Brian Mulroney was prime minister. I personally think, he's, I still think he was one of our best prime ministers. You said that. My buddy George, I think, said that on a recent yeah, podcast because he was older. At the, he, he remembers. I myself, I hated Harper. Yep. Uh, I remember protesting, going downtown to protest the war. Right. Um, I didn't like that we were involved in anything. I didn't want us to be in Afghanistan. I, and I was young. I was in high school. Then after, uh, after 2008, uh, when the stock market had crashed and all, when I saw the good that they had done, I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't just hate blanket, you know. Right. Like, because I, we're taught, we're taught, oh, they're conservatives. They, you know, they, they, they hate this. They hate that. Exactly. They hate this. You shouldn't like them. But if you start to look at the effect that they've had running the country, you know, I'm going to get buried for this. Be, Stephen Harper was probably one of the most hated prime ministers at the end of his terms. But when you look at his record and you look at the steady hand he had as, the, as he led the country, yeah. the, the economy, social peace, all of it, steady as she goes that's not a bad thing no and that's objectively true so for example myself if people look at me now because let's say i'll be mad at justin trudeau they're like oh this guy's a right winger but if he was alive right now my vote would probably be going to jack layton yep. the last canadian politician that i think i really really liked and thought this is a genuine good person but now with the ndp is for example i hate it it's it's, it's complete nonsense but him that guy had my vote did you guys not hear me my dad died it's been five minutes now is that what you said it's been five minutes now so i'm gonna post it okay. no, <laughs> but you have to be willing to sit down listen and, and yes. evolve if you just close your and, like, i only vote red i only vote blue how the hell are you gonna educate yourself yeah. no you know this is the thing a lot of people don't even know what the issues are they parrot what you know well they get in their echo chambers yes, and 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 they parrot what their aunt agnes said you know, yeah. I heard that, 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 
And a lot of people don't know what the issues are or how the country is run or... Look, we're not going to solve this now. Let's move on to happy stuff. People, okay. tune into you guys because you're right. a happy duo. They're going to be... Yeah, like, well, we said we were going to yeah. avoid this, didn't we? But we, but we wanted to talk yeah, about Joe Rogan yeah, and you yeah. can't and, talk about Joe Rogan and what's happening with I, him yeah. without going down that road. True, yeah. We wanted to talk about, you know... The way you, specific, with you as our guest, you, you handles, you you don't give a shit. No. Right? So that, that in this world, in this day and age, that makes you a little controversial. Which and is also, absurd. Which is absurd. And also incredibly well-loved by people around the world. Which yeah, is isn't really that something. strange? Isn't that, that is, that is very strange, yeah. It's, uh, look, like Joe Rogan, I didn't plan any of this. Nope. I, I didn't plan, I'm just happy that people enjoy what I do, but... It is heavy for some people because right. all uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'll right. tell you what I think. And sometimes that'll rub people the wrong way. Yes, I get it, but I'm not doing it on purpose. No, I don't care if you're upset, yeah. but I'm not trying to get you upset. Right. There's a big difference. Right. I would prefer everyone's happy. If if there's a way for me to reduce tension and make people happy, I'm the first guy to do it. But if you ask for my opinion. I'm going to give it to you. But you guys on Two Drink Minimum have a great knack for taking whatever the topic is, whether oh, yeah. whether it's a serious controversial topic of the day or something that you or get. something hilarious something, like Nazis. Yeah, something, <laughs> or or some, you know, a story about Poseidon shitting yeah. his pants in kindergarten. You know, you guys have a great way of disarming the situation and making it funny. But that's something you guys are good at too, by the way. Well, we try. For we do. For years you avoid yeah. it when you're together, and even yeah. now... You, like what you said about well, political leaning. He might have different. Who yeah. gives a shit? I'm not. He's. We've been friends for thirty years. Yeah. Right. Why, why? Why would I abandon this joy in my life? This yeah. friendship that that's been so beneficial for both of us. Right. We we enjoyed ev most every day we worked together. We've been friends for a long time. I was there when his children were born. Like. It, why would you abandon that because you disagree with somebody on one topic? And I've introduced him to the black Nazi uniform, which is very yeah. slimming. The black one, yeah. The yeah. Hugo Boss one. Yeah. 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 They don't make him in my size anymore. <laughs> um, sorry about your dad, by the way. <laughs> I want to take a moment to say uh, thanks to my friends at uh, Matlal Bonner. They, speaking of the old days, they've been around for quite some time. Um, and uh, have been a fan of the program for a long time. And when fa they found out we were doing a podcast, they said, yep, we would like to support that podcast. We'd like to be part of it. And I was thrilled because, again, another family business, family-run origins right here in Quebec, started literally with a pickup truck and a passion for a better night's sleep and making sure that people understood you didn't have to only sleep on one mattress, you didn't have to only sleep on a mattress that you bought at the furniture store next to the washing machines. They came together and put together these beautiful stores where you get this warm welcome from an unbelievably well-trained staff, and they'll teach you about sleep technology. There's actually a thing. There's actually a sleep technology. If you just need new linens or new pillows, they can take care of that. But if it's time to get a new mattress, and don't do what I did. I was on the same mattress, I think, for something like 12 years. And they said to me, give your head a shake and then put a new mattress in my house. And it changed the way uh, that I was able to sleep and tackle the day. And that was important when I was getting up at 4 in the morning. 18 locations in and around the greater Montreal area. Matlaubonheur.ca. Maybe that's what you need, Mr. Badback, yeah. is, a, is a new and better mattress. New better mattress. I have a pretty yeah. new mattress. I've sent some people actually to your sponsors. I've sent yes. people to Matlaubonheur because oh, they yeah? sponsor you. Thank you. Uh, Merson. Yes. Uh, I haven't sent anyone to Jaguar yet. I think I might go see them because I need a new car. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm 
considering going there, yeah. Well, you never, should. Yeah. He's hit the big time. It's time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to get any other biggest packages. <laughs> Something reasonable, guys. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about um, podcast networks. Do you think, as the podcast industry moves forward and grows, because it's growing cra- like in a crazy way, um, do you think there's going to come a time where, you know, Spotify rocked the world with the deal they, they cut with Joe Rogan? And other deals that you don't hear about. Uh, yeah. Call Her Daddy, $50 million. Call Her uh, Daddy. Yeah. Of so. So, That is uh, <laughs> Poseidon. Uh, let's explain what the uh, Caller Daddy and the Daddy Gang is. Uh, so you guys know Barstool Sports? Yes. Okay, so the Barstool That's guys. That's Dave Portnoy, right? Dave Portnoy had uh, some very good podcasts. One of them was these two girls. They started a show called Call Her Daddy. And it was a bunch of girls talking about their exploits, their life. Uh, it peaked, especially as far as women podcast listeners go, young women, college age. They love that show. It exploded merch. Then the two girls got into a fight. Over a contract because he was paying them, I think, a, a hefty sum to be part of Barstool, and they got into a fight over contract negotiations. One of them was asking for too much. They split. The girl that stayed on with Barstool continued the show up until Spotify came and offered a crazy deal, and now it's exclusive, I believe, to Spotify. And she's making hand over fist. This was someone who didn't have any experience in radio or anything, but is very entertaining and just likes to talk on the mic, brings her friends, and, and it went well. So it's another success. And Spotify, there's another couple, I think DJ Academics, uh, it's hip-hop-related interviews. Um, he he has a, a Spotify exclusive. They're going out there to do much of what you're talking about. They see where the money is. So they're, it's a podcast network. They so want to have... Do you yeah. think it's going to get to a place... Like where television was NBC, CBS, ABC. Of course, it, 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 that's 100%, where, that's yeah. where it's going. Really, yeah, hundred no. percent, and it's already started. Yeah. There's Gas Digital, there's Compound Media, there's Spotify, there's right. All Things Comedy, there's Pantelis Comedy. Right. Uh, well, I was going to say, are you guys going to get bought up at some point? Do you think? Look, uh, it's weird because. And is that what you aspire to, or do you like to be uh, smaller and independent? Our biggest issue is that we like being independent because yep. we've had some recent engagement. Uh, where we turned down, me and him at least, money. Because uh, we're like, yeah, this isn't going to work out for us. This is going to hinder us. Uh, let's try and keep building ourselves. Because no one believed in that this was going to turn into what it did now. Yep. So what's the point of giving up on our dream? Unless something crazy comes along, which will benefit everyone. Uh, but that is the future. Because even Mike's working on his own platform. We thought of all English and French going together. He's thinking of just French maybe at first. So I've been pushing this idea in the universe for years now. I said the key is you have to have your own network, your own video streaming, audio streaming. Because, like you see with Rogan, yep. you're never fully untouchable if you're dependent on other networks. For all we know, tomorrow YouTube could decide, you know what? Terry and Ted? No. Pantel's comedy? No. And then you're, you're left holding the bag, right? right. What do you do? Right. So you, you need to spend money on infrastructure, which we're already doing, uh, to move into being just independent. And you could do it. There's a, I'm in talks now with a, with a service to maybe move everything completely independent. We'll have our own platform. People pay subscription per month, and they get everything. Uh, live streaming, video, audio. They'll have an app. They could have Roku, all that stuff. So we're talking about that already. You mentioned the girl who hit it big yeah. and went from uh, Barstool to Spotify. What do you say to someone who's listening or watching and says to themselves, you know, I'm, I'm pretty smart and funny and engaging. Yeah. How do I do this? How do I get started? What do I do? First of all, uh, you're neither of those things. Uh, <laughs> deal with it, chump. <laughs> no, it, it, well, 
once you you know what's hard about this to say my advice is you have to try you have to yeah. don't be scared to fail because you're gonna the thing is you're gonna fail 50 times doesn't matter because all people are going to talk about is that 51st time where you made it and they're going to think look at how easy that is this guy made it so you should continue but you have to figure out whether or not you're delusional or you're good just like stand-up comedy right you guys have been around the stand-up scene yeah well even in you know what i gotta say even in radio yeah there were you know in in i'm talking 30 years ago there were people in radio who thought they were the cats you know them Mm -hmm. were the cat's pajamas yeah and yeah, uh, they just they just weren't you know like you see you go to a stand up show you see eight comedians and you see two of them and you go mm, uh, that guy's never gonna make it. Well, I talk about it sometimes, but in the beginning, that's what hurt my confidence. Was I was thinking, I go, am I them? It bothered yeah, me because yeah. there's some open micers that just are delusional yeah. and they'll bomb and be like, that was amazing. <laughs> and then I, I would, but I would second guess myself. I go, did I really do well or do I think I did well because I have some kind of psychosis like that guy? So you have to burn past that and realize whether you're good or not. And if you're good, you have to practice. Podcasting, that's what it is. Practice, become comfortable to not sound like you're, like you're reading a script. Just be you. But podcasting to me, it seems like more of a challenge because of the, the infrastructure that's required. Like if I want to try to be a stand-up comedian, all I got to do is find out when's open mic night and I go down and everything's set up for me. I just got to stand there and make the joke. If I want to wow. start a podcast, what do I need? And and how do I set it up and where do I plug it in? And I know I know we make him uncomfortable because we keep thanking him because... Yeah, you well, and that's I, you why and we're I so lucky to be here. Yeah. I wouldn't fucking know. Well, I've been in radio for we, 40 years. We still don't know. No. We come in here and we well, bug him and we bug him. I've got one. I've got one of those roadcasters yeah, at home, and I haven't got the. I ha, I know how to plug it in and talk to him on Zoom. That's all I know how well, to do this with has that all thing. Been a lie. We haven't aired one episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> those little things that Ted and I, you you have. To, I, we should make a show out of the out of the pre-show with me and Ted going. <laughs> I can't hear you. You're pushing the wrong button. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, like, and. I also like this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I, ever since I got into podcasting, yeah. I started getting into microphones, yeah. uh, software with the video switching. So I send him videos. I find tutorials and I, I'll watch them for an hour. I'll learn new techniques. I'll send it right to him. I'll be like, Poseidon, you got to learn. Uh, this is what you have to do next time. So when they come in, try this. This is a better fade. This is, And he feels the same way now. He started becoming obsessed with tech and tutorials and you just upgrade every time well maybe that's the answer to my question is you go to youtube how do i start a a podcast look (laughs) you could do anything now with youtube whoever says they can't is full of shit i've learned all of my editing techniques everything off tutorials on youtube okay so if i can do it and i'm borderline retarded you can do it (laughs) you can do it because we're pulling the curtain back here a little bit but i'll just tell you Mm -hmm. i fly in from my home on the coast and we come in here on a daily basis and we record two or three episodes, you know, and then we go home. And then on Wednesday, March 2nd, Pantelis sprinkles some magic dust somewhere yeah. and suddenly the podcast is available. That's all I know. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's all I know. We leave yeah. and we bother him and send him a picture. And I mean. then suddenly people are watching the podcast. So, it's a lot more complicated. I'm a magician. You are a fucking magician. I'm, I'm Chris you. Angel <laughs> of podcasting. Um, I want to um, welcome our uh, latest sponsor. Uh, we should say hi to David Drucker because uh, David, like 
loved the podcast. He listened to all the episodes of season one. Yeah, and he wanted to get on board as yep. a sponsor. Yep. And uh, we've, we've known, known David forever. Yeah, long, and a long day. time. Yeah. And it's UPS Stores Canada. If you run, run a small business, this is great. If you go into you run a, a small business, well, small it's getting business, bigger. <laughs> and I keep shipping uh, shirts and stuff out to fans, merch there, and all that. There you go. UPS, you go into a UPS store, and they have it all for you. They different sizes, envelopes, boxes. They got packing tape. They'll pack it for you. you. You can ship things that are really fragile to ship. They'll show you how to do that. You can buy packing material. Uh, they'll send a fax for you. Don't laugh. Still, People still send faxes. Sadly. Uh, yeah. Photocopies if you need them. Shredding services if you need them. If you run a small business and you're shipping merch, um, you get to know the local UPS guy, and it becomes like a an arm of your business. It really, you know, whether you're you're selling, you're, you're sending Christmas gifts to Auntie Mary in England, or you need to get fifty T-shirts out by the end of the day, UPS stores is where you want to go. I'm gonna give me the, his info. I'm gonna reach out. This is actually smart. Yes. First of all, Poseidon is hated at our Canada Post, so yeah, <laughs> we need. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we yeah, need yeah. What did you do that. now? You I get keep, to, uh, you get to know your. You, I'm telling you, you get to know because the UPS guys, they're all franchisees that live in the community, and you get to know them. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's. I don't an, know why I, I didn't think about this. It's a one stop place for all of those needs, especially if you're in a small business. UPS Store Canada. It's the UPS Store Canada. Ca. Did I get that right? Ted? I think it might just be the UPS Store. Ca. Okay. So I'll give you another Check. example. All right. I'll give you another example right okay. now. The UPS Store. Yes. Merson. Yes. Medla Bonar. Yes. Land Rover Jaguar. If you guys weren't good, you think they would sponsor you, especially for a second season? No. There you're you right. Because and, and you know what, Pentelis? Thank you for bringing that up because I said to Ted, I don't know. Does anybody want a second season? <laughs> and he said, well, enough, you know, and it's true, enough people listened to the first season that I guess second season was viable. And every person we phoned said, of course we want it. But yes, we're in. Yeah, why, first of all, why wouldn't it be? There's more yeah. engagement with podcasts than there is with terrestrial radio. Yes. Uh, you have better numbers yeah. than some of the shows that are happening right now locally <laughs> on terrestrial radio. Uh, it, it's a no-brainer. This is, like I told you guys, first of all, this has to continue a bit more. Yes. This guy has to leave mainstream radio. Yes. We're going to have to make enough money podcasting. With all that money uh, I'm making? Yeah. How can you walk away from that? <laughs> but tens also I know and tens of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Did we get it right, by the way? UPSstore.ca. TheUPSstore.ca. TheUPSstore.ca. His dilemma is also another problem. He likes where he's at. They're nice to him, and he enjoys it. So as much as we want to pull him out. <laughs> no, no, I nah, yeah, he likes it. He likes I, it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like well, the work. You know it's fun. Yeah, I, I still told enjoy him it. Today, when we were at um, picking up the semi. Oh, at uh, Non Solo Pani. Yeah, Non Solo Pani in, in Dorval were good enough to send us home with or here with sandwiches today. And I was sitting having a coffee with him and saying to him, they don't know what they have in him. Because number one, he's a marquee name. Number two, he's all over the community on the West Island. He's out at every opening and, you know, interacting with local businesses and people and charities and St. Patty's Day and comedy shows and everything else. He's an old-fashioned, hard-working, high-profile morning guy. You had me at old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and one of the last men standing, really, yeah. in, in, that, in that business. Because as we were talking about this morning, the business has made a, a, a kind of a, a side project of pushing all the old guys out, you know, or the older, you know, older 
seasoned guys that were the veterans, the veterans yeah. that were making decent money and replacing them with kids who make their own interpretations about news stories. So that that's uh, you, you know, I just I hope they know that. Well, what's crazy is this you can't teach this, you can't teach the the you know, the gift of gab, right? You can't teach that people have it or they don't. You can teach them how to speak on a mic better, articulate. That's different. But if they're not comfortable behind a microphone and sharing their own thoughts, you can't teach anyone that, and they haven't realized that yet. Because I've noticed on terrestrial radio, they'll put new people, and I'll be curious, just to be like, hey, let's see how this guy's doing or she's doing. And they'll be like, what is happening? They're not, maybe they're good at writing stories or writing some jokes, but behind the mic, they're not good. And then when I find out the details, it's normally because they'll get young people out of school, which they won't have to pay them a lot, yep. and they're basically screwing these kids over. Yep. I have a buddy who went to Toronto for uh, radio, and he was basically doing three or four jobs, getting paid the salary of less than one person would, yeah. and it's always promises. Hey, one day, one day, that, that, that day never comes. Yeah, or think of the exposure you're getting. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the worst. Also, the chemistry like Terry and I have and like you guys have on Two Drink Minimum, you can't buy that at the store nope. either. Can't teach that. Yeah. It's either there or it isn't. Yeah. Fuck you, Ted. Yeah, you too. <laughs> well, people don't know what happens behind the scenes here. People don't know what happens. We got to split them. Yeah. We got to push yeah. them apart why most of the time. We, we pretend like we drive around in the same Land Rover from Jaguar Land Rover Laval, but I leave him here. You, you know what experience does, though? It teaches you how fragile this whole thing is, yeah. life in general. Yeah. It's, it's so fleeting. Yeah. Just have fun. Try to be nice to people yes. as much as you can. And enjoy the ride. And right. I'm telling you, the, the ride that we had was incredible, you know, in the early days of radio. And it went like that, like that. It was in the blink of an eye, it, suddenly they were pushing me out the door. Like it, it, it went, for me, it went so fast. You know, we were together 19 years. For you, it's crazy because uh, think about even the prime minister spoke about you. Yeah. Like the, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a little absurd to think, you know how you said they don't know what they have in Ted? Yeah. They did the same thing to you. <laughs> yeah. They don't think so. They, but that's but what's that's crazy. Hard. That's yeah, what's that's they hard. could have pivoted. But who cares? Yeah, uh, I had a good time. I had a good time and a good run. And I'm enjoying this. Yep. And their loss. Yes. And that's the end of this episode. I liked it. This was a good episode, guys. Pentelis. Thank you for coming in. We know that you're not I, under the weather. Is the wrong is yeah. the wrong word? But Pantelis well, has been. I heard my back in a he hurt gang his back. related shooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the other guys. <laughs> And anybody know anybody who knows anything about gang related shootings like Ted and I do? Oh no, anybody <laughs> anybody who knows about back issues, call this stuff I'm mad. Oh yeah, it's been oh, bad. Oh man, you can't you you can't do anything. No, it's the worst. You can't do anything when your back goes. On ferrying. I don't wish this upon my worst enemy. Yeah, I would wish it upon Poseidon, but anyone else, <laughs> never wish it upon hey, anyone. Hey Poseidon, thank yes. you, thank you. And man. I know you got a podcast coming up tonight. You better get a coffee. Yeah. It's been a long day. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval, where the luxury is unmistakably British, but nobody wears a top hat or a monocle.